on the bench, it's time for something different. Time to look at ice hockey. Well, again, Keith's been at it with our friends from the Sydney Bears. We've got a big two-part interview coming up throughout the show. Keith, please let us know what's going on. Well, we sat down a few weeks ago with the the kids in the Sydney Bears roster. Lachlan Farmy, Xander Wardlaw, Jeremy Vasquez, a big part of the Sydney Bears and a big part of the bench is Jeremy and we also had the opportunity that night to talk to a more senior member, but we thought, no, we'll do that separately because we'll let the kids have their say and then we'll let one of the senior statesmen have their say. Brian Funes is a defensive defenceman. He plays for the Australian national team. He's one of the key members of the Sydney Bears roster. And I sat down with him and I started by asking him a little bit about his background and how he actually got to where he is today. All right, so yeah, I'd probably consider myself somewhere in the middle between uh, the younger kids and, and Vlad, where he's at, so I think I'd be somewhere in the middle. Vlad, of course, is pushing 400 at the moment. He's a weapon. He's an absolute weapon, that guy. I think he I coached Gordy Howe, didn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my background with the Bears, uh, actually, my first few seasons in the AHL were with the Ice Dogs, um, <gasps> so don't hold that against oh. me. I know, traitor, traitor over here, so yeah, probably public enemy number one. <laughs> if you're a Dogs fan. But, um, yeah, so I started in 2011. Um, Ronnie, actually, who's uh, he was the coach back then of the Dogs, he actually brought me over from the East Coast League, which is the next division below. And uh, he just gave me a shot with the AIHL. And then, you know, a few years later, uh, things didn't work out with the uh, just the management and stuff that was going on within the club. I uh, decided to make the change over to the Bears. And uh, it just happened when... Uh, Ronnie took over the, as head coach and he asked me to come over and you know I trust him as a coach uh, he was able to uh, um, get us a good old cup when we won in 2013 with the Ice Dogs you know he was the main reason for that he came in 2011 and a few years later he uh, he got us a cup and uh, so you know my trust is in him so that's why I kind of made that transition over to the Bears now and so I've been happy ever since How did you find it when you, with your time at the Ice Dogs and you found yourself going back and playing in the East Coast League which is basically the reserve grade to the Australian Ice Hockey League or the AHL to the NHL yeah. as it were how did you find that when Ron turned around and said hey Brian I've got an opportunity for you to get back into the AIHL and are you interested at all? Yeah so it was uh, you know for me uh I had been taking me a few years to actually get that opportunity um, with tryouts for the dogs under uh, other coaching. It was, you know, it was a little bit um, tough for me. Um, just trying to get that next step. Always trying to get better. You know, with a with a failure like that, as I would see it. You know, I want to make the team. When I don't, I work uh, harder to actually, you know, get that goal next year. And after a few years, you know, I was starting to feel a little bit disheartened. But then once uh, Ronnie came in and he put his trust in me. Uh, and in, in my skill set and he started giving me opportunities uh, slowly on the ice and then getting more and more ice time uh, that actually built on my confidence to actually you know uh, believe in myself that I, I belong uh, playing in this league and uh, from then it kind of turned into a, an opportunity to play for the national team the year after that that must have been quite the the confidence boost when all of a sudden you turn around from the east coast and in really in career 
terms, a matter of minutes, really, you go from playing in the East Coast to, oh, all of a sudden, you're a mighty root. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it was, you know, I've been working up. That was always my goal ever since I was little. You know, I had watched a, a tournament that was up in Newcastle. You know, I drew, drove up there with, uh, with uh, some friends to, you know, watch them compete. And it's always been a goal of mine to put on the green and gold for the men's team there. So, you know, having all that hard work finally pay off and having these coaches give me the opportunity was really a confidence booster for me to actually believe in myself that I belong there as well. So once you kind of see that level of what it takes to be a mighty Roo, once you're training with them and see the games firsthand, you know, it just gives you that confidence booster that you're like, all right, cool, I, I belong here. Like, I, I deserve to be part of this team. So for, for me, it was, you know, it helped along with the process. But from then to where I am now, actually. So, yeah. How did you get into the game in the first place? Because with, with a name like Funes, it's not exactly associated with uh, a cold weather culture and uh, yeah, yeah, so. being, being uh, in Australia. It's not exactly a cold weather place. So how did how did a player like you come to be involved in hockey? <laughs> yeah, so like if uh, if you see what I look like, I'm not you know like typical Australian. I've got a I'm come from mixed you you, race you come from Central Mexican drug lord uh, casting you, right, with yeah, that mustache. Well, yeah, exactly. Right now I'm rocking the mo. You know. Uh, I, I shaved the beard and kept the mo, so I'm looking uh, extra South American right now. So that was a. I'm, I'm glad I did that after I flew back. You know, <laughs> I'd get a few more extra questions coming back into the country. Um, but yeah, so my background is uh, from Argentina and Chile. Uh, dad's from Argentina, mom's mm-hmm. from Chile, and um, they met here in Australia. And you know, ta-da! I popped out, and for uh, when I was five, five, six years old, you know, I've a big Mighty Ducks movie fan cliche but oh, 90s, 90s kid yeah. 90s settle kid. down Mizzy we'll, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll get on to uh, that yeah, uh, later. 91 born so 90s kid love the Mighty Ducks and I'd seen some highlights when I was younger of you know the, the Olympics and all that sort of stuff in NHL and I just knew like I wanted to play that like just the speed the physicality the the skill like it was just just caught my eye immediately and I just nagged my parents into like taking me to a rink and they're like like South American parents, you know, they play they're soccer. Like, yeah, exactly. They're rolling the soccer ball over to my feet, and I'm just like kicking it away, like holding like the broomstick or whatever, just waving it around and telling them I want to just take me to a rink. And you know, they finally caved in. I was a persistent or annoying kid when I was younger, and um, they finally took me to a rink, which was the old Blacktown rink mm-hmm. back in the day. And uh, on Sunday mornings, they would actually do. Um, they had like gear that people would like hand in, and they'd be put in these bags. And you know they kind of suss out what what size you are. And then you they can you can borrow the gear for that training session. You can like give hockey a go. And then ever since I touched the ice, it was, that was it. Like game over. Like I knew this is like I wanted to play this forever. And along the way, I played a whole bunch of sports, and they fell by the wayside. <laughs> you, you, m- you must have had a strong stomach to roll up to a to a <laughs> hockey rink and just get a bag of recycled and donated gear. Yeah. I've smelt some of those gloves, and I it, no, I, I don't want to have. Rough. I smell. don't want to smell those gloves no. after lunch. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, like if uh, any, uh, you know, any wags of, uh, of players knows very well that, you know, once you have the, the gloves in your hand, even after washing them a bit, they still have a bit of a, a funky smell to them. And, you know, I just wanted to play. That was it. Like, I'll, I'll put on whatever second, third, fourth hand gear that I, that I needed to just to get on the ice. And that's what it was a little bit at the start there because, you know, it's, it's an expensive sport. And for my 
parents, mm. it was hard for them to, you know, muster up the coin to uh, pay for all the uh, all the gear or you know, fresh new gear for the first time. And then once they saw that I loved the game, you know, that's when they started, you know, investing more and more money into it. So yeah, is the the shoulder pads and the skates? Yeah, okay, you're you be a growing boy, so the skates might take a bit. But it's really the the composite sticks these days. I mean, they yeah, they break time. like twigs, and that, those things can cost several hundred dollars for a really good one. And you know, yeah. one snaps, and that's it. Well, there's another four hundred. Oh yeah, down you the get drain. really rattled when you break one. Like for whatever reason, if you ever break a stick, any player knows. You know, playing in the AIHL, you know, they're, they're they're pricey, and whenever you break one for whatever reason, it just it, it really bums you out because you know you have to fork out at least three hundred bucks for another another composite stick there. And of course, when, when you're playing up front and you're looking to go forward and the, the players up front, when they break sticks, they turn around and say, oh, fiddle dee deep, well, something like that. But they don't really panic because they just head back to the bench yeah. and, okay, the offensive opportunity is left. But you're a defenseman, so yeah. obviously when your stick breaks... Yeah. Talk us through the process of getting a new one if you can't get back. So, for those that don't pay attention, it's the defensemen who go to the forwards and take the stick off them where possible? So, uh, if that does happen during a game, um, at any level, it kind of it's kind of like a, a known thing throughout all players that if a defenseman breaks their stick, the closest forward has to go over and hand it to them. Just because, obviously, using the stick is way more important for a defenseman when you're in your defensive zone. Um, so, it's kind of like an automatic thing that happens where you, you obviously kind of you find the closest forward and you just like either like snatch it out of his hands or just like tell him just give it to me and it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of an unspoken agreement that's known in hockey that if a defenseman breaks his stick um, that the closest forward has to has to hand it over whether it's left handed or right handed <laughs> yeah. have you ever been stuck in one of those situations I need a right hand stick well I got a left one for yeah. you what do I do with this thing yeah yeah exactly and you're just hoping the puck doesn't go to you you're just like <laughs> poke, poke check it away and just like slap it away because you know if you're holding a left handed stick as a righty it, it curves the other way so it's a little bit tougher to get those uh those pucks out of there so i don't think i've been in too bad of situations you know knock on wood but uh when it does happen you do kind of panic for a little bit there especially if you're on a penalty kill i mean that's probably worst worst case scenario there. oh losing your stick on the penalty kill nah, just it's brutal yeah good yeah. luck with that yeah exactly you play on the blue line what's your role there are you a shutdown defenseman a stay-at-home guy like um Farmy was last week, or are you more a two-way guy, an offensive D? What's your role? Well, I'd like to, you know, for most of my career, I've been more of a shutdown defensive defenseman, mm-hmm. but I've been working a lot throughout the years recently trying to add more offensive uh, uh, kind of skills to my game. Um, I've played forward and D um, during my career for, like, club and country, so um, I've kind of tried to, like, blend those two together and it kind of matches the style now of, of hockey where the fourth guy who's a defenseman jumps in on the play and he's just an extra guy, another option for the offensive rush there mm-hmm. so um, uh, Brad our coach for the national team has really been uh, uh, focusing on having that fourth guy jump in for, for the rush and just 
providing a little bit more offensive um, options as a player. So I've always considered myself first and foremost a shutdown defenseman. Um, that's uh, that's the game that I love to play. You know, I, I love the fact that I have no goals scored against me. I love blocking shots and mm-hmm. uh, pushing guys out in front of the net and, you know, doing all that sort of stuff on the penalty kill as well. Um, but I want to provide a little bit more offense for the team as well because, you know, you need that uh, both parts of your game as well and kind of the modern modern day hockey a lot more you're you're allowed to kind of join in on the rush and uh, even though it's going to be a little bit harder skating back yeah, if, uh, if I do turn it over or whatever but it's it's part of the game now so I'm trying to incorporate that a lot more so kind of a mixture of both now well you showed off on opening weekend with uh, getting on the score sheet Did you get, was it a couple of goals across both games or it was, was it two against uh, the dogs or was, one and one it was one it was one and one yeah so the first one was uh, a shot off the point and I don't know if it deflected off someone. I kind of, I don't know if I closed my eyes on that one or not, but I think it might have deflected off a, a defenseman's uh, stick or skate or something like that, and it went top shelf. So it looked pretty. Uh, I'm, like, happy to get that first one, uh, <laughs> get that monkey out off my back there, just because uh, if you look at my stats, there's not a whole lot of uh, goal, goals <laughs> in uh, throughout I hope, my career. I hope, you didn't just, I hope the team didn't just all of a sudden settle down and, yeah. well, oh, we're playing the grand final rematch. Wait a minute, out defensive D just scored this is going to be easy yeah exactly I know right and that, that one in Canberra I think it kind of it took a weird bounce off the netting and then I think it might have hit a, uh, something in front of the net and dribbled in so that was a bit of a lucky one too so all the boys are telling me I'm on pace for, for 28 goal season now so um, no pressure right like <laughs> I go from like a, a maximum of like I think it's like four goals or something in my, in my career in the AIHL to now I'm, I'm already halfway there after two games so you know knock on wood uh, I, I keep it rolling so yeah I'm well, happy you, you, you're, gonna, you're gonna have your forwards worrying all of a sudden uh, yeah, yeah. Who do we throw up front on here we'll just take the guy that's never crossed the red line in yeah. his life it's not it's not a good look when Fusey's <laughs> on the top of the, uh, the the goal standings for the Bears it's like oh no here we go like boys pick it up so I love uh, I love throwing a little shade to the forwards we have a little bit of uh, competitiveness between the forwards and the D uh, we always split up and do our own kind of uh, um, position specific drills during mm-hmm. practice and when we split up we're always trying to give a little there's always a little bit of smack talk between the D and the forwards so th- there's a lot of ammo there now right at the moment <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm flying high on those two goals and I'm going to uh, I'm going to use them until the uh, the streak dies so, <laughs> nice, <yeah>. nice. <laughs> how, how have you found because we had them in last week the the kids in Jeremy and uh, Xander and Farmy how are they settling in obviously Jeremy um had that little bit of a profile going in, but mm. Xander and Farming in particular sort of just were sort of just sitting in the background a bit before they came on this season. How yeah. have they settled in so far this year? So far, I think they're doing really good. I mean, those those first few skates when you get to see everyone come back from their off season, um, we haven't had a lot of time on the ice during the summer. Either everyone's kind of doing their own thing, whether it be they're playing overseas or a summer comp, or myself, I play inline hockey during during the summer. Um, just to seeing those guys back on the ice, I'm really impressed with the way that they're looking. Um, JV's looking faster somehow. I mean, he's, he's look, he look he gets faster and faster every year. It's crazy, and his shots looking really good, uh, especially you know coming off the plane and jumping into a practice with us uh, the first time there. He was looking really impressive, and and Farmy's just a really smooth skater as well. And uh, I think just a, a few more reps, um, just you know uh, on the ice during games, is going to help. 
helped them tremendously. And, and Xander's such a he's such a like skilled, smart player that I really like his game. I mean, uh, for for a smaller guy, he really knows how to like find his way within such a physical game. I mean, the rules now are kind of geared towards a player, uh, towards him. So it's good to see him kind of you know use his body against men where it's it's going to be a little tougher that that bounce that kind of from you know playing juniors and all that sort of stuff to actually playing against men and you know imports and stuff like that when you get matched up against them i'm confident in their skill set that they know how to play within that kind of structure where it's that that next bounce where you have a big grown man knows how to push you around and all that sort of stuff so they're really good skaters which is going to help them tremendously throughout their careers i think well, a mighty Ducks fan. I think I've just found my favourite Sydney Bears player. But uh, if you've been enjoying that interview with Keith Topolsky, don't fret. There'll be part two of that coming up in the second hour. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Now on the bench, it's time for something different. Time to look at ice hockey. Well, we'll resume things with our interview with Sydney Bears stay-at-home defenceman and Mighty Ducks fan. There yes, you go. We wow. finally found a we finally found a Sydney Bears player that I can relate to. In Brian Funes. Just before we do, we'll quickly run through last week's results. The North Stars over the Thunder 5-3. That's Newcastle over Perth. The Sydney Ice Dogs took Adelaide to task at Macquarie, winning eight goals to Duck Egg. Newcastle then had Adelaide on the Sunday and won 6-2. The Thunder went to Macquarie and defeated the Ice Dogs 5-3. Grand final rematch. It was in the Brave Cave. It was a massive ask. People were saying the Brave by plenty. The Brave scored three, and the Sydney Bears, our all about caring Sydney Bears, got four. You were very excited about this one. We know Jeremy Pete. Vasquez, one of the goal scorers. Great to see. Four from four for the North Stars to start the season. They sit three points clear of the Brave. The Mustangs in third. Both Sydney teams, six points. Our Bears and the Ice Dogs just ahead of Perth. And, yeah, and then you've got the rest after that in the Ice and Adrenaline. This week, the Ice and Mustangs are playing as we speak down at the O'Brien Ice House in the Docklands. CBR head to Perth, or Canberra head to Perth for a doubleheader against the Thunder. Sydney Ice Dogs are in Melbourne. They'll be playing the Mustangs tomorrow in the Ice on Sunday. And Newcastle are in Adelaide for a doubleheader against the Adelaide Adrenaline. And without further ado... Let's get back to my chat with Brian Funes. What sort of rule changes do you see coming out of the East Coast into the AIHL? Obviously, the, you got the clock that just keeps running down in junior because the ice time is just that yeah. damn expensive. Yeah. But what, what are the main rule changes coming out of East Coast into the AIHL that can really have an impact on way, the way teams play? Yeah, so uh, um, both leagues, they, they fall underneath um, uh, IIHF, which is the governing the international governing body for ice hockey. No NHL um, trapezoid. No, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so it's... the the, the rules are a lot different, which is, um, you know, it's a lot more skill and speed based. Um, the rules are kind of changed for that. Um, the second you get rid of the puck, um, as a defenseman, I'm not allowed to, to touch that player. I can't play the body. It has to be within a second. I have to complete that hit. So it's either like I have to time it perfectly or I leave him alone. So as a you know a big player like myself that likes to play physical, I have to be perfect. So my skating has to be really good to time that hit. So for, for guys like Xander, um, who's a smaller, shiftier player, that helps them tremendously. And and obviously for the other players as well. 
just being smart with the puck and actually, you know, recognizing that those rules are in place now. Um, on the defensive side of the puck as well, you know, they have to be smarter on the forecheck where they, if they're going to be hitting a guy or initiating contact, it has to be perfect. If not, you have to play the puck and then just kind of sweep away, unfortunately. But um, for those rule changes that have come in recently, for this year specifically, it's going to be a little bit of... Uh, there's going to be a bit of growing pains there. We kind of saw it at the first couple games um, against the Dogs and Canberra. Um, we had a few penalties there where it's just, you know, a bit of the rough stuff that the, the referees are just not going to allow anymore because that's just coming down from the, the international governing body that, that we adopt. Um, I saw that in the playing for Australia. I mean, those rules were set for that tournament and it was a little bit of a, there was a little bit of kind of growing pain to kind of understand, okay, that's a hit that's, that's, a hit that's allowed, that's not allowed. So it's going to take a little bit of time but um, uh, from what I've been told while I was away, uh, one of the one of the um, uh, sorry one of the referees had actually had a bit of a meeting with our team and just broke down the rules for him, what the new rules are for him. So that's going to help us, I think, in the long long term, in terms of telling, um, obviously showing the referees that we actually care about the new rules yep. and that we want to know what they are because you know. Uh, Playing dumb isn't going to help. Oh, I didn't know that. You have to be on top of that sort of thing because, like what happened with against uh, Canberra, they're, they're going to make us pay if we, uh, you know, we don't don't adhere to those new rules. So. Are the referees giving you time to adjust to the new rules, or is it more just shock therapy and going cold turkey? Because the game against the Brave in the third period, it wasn't so much a hockey game; it was just an opera. You just had that much singing and whistling going on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as a player, it is frustrating because you know. You want you want the game to flow, and the game is so much more fun to watch when there's a flow to it, and there's you just let the speed of the game unfold naturally. Um, I mean, the the referees are doing their job, what they've been told to do. Obviously, they've gone through all their courses and stuff. They know the rules back and forth, right? So we have to, as players and as a leader myself, being the assistant um, captain. I have to go to them, not barking at them, but approaching them like, okay, every time there's a penalty, I have to go up to them and, and ask them, can you explain what you saw? So then I can tell my, my players, this is the reason why. So don't do it. Like, what I'd like to harp on to, to the boys on the bench is just work that little bit extra harder so you get closer to the player so you can just have a clean stick check instead of just reaching and trying to go for the stick lift and then the stick ends up somewhere near the gloves. That's an immediate hooking call, right? Or, you know, getting lazy and getting frustrated. You want to play the body on a guy that bumped you two shifts ago and he already got rid of the puck and then you smoke him on the boards and you get a penalty. So it's... It's, it's a bit of both where, you know, it's a little bit frustrating for players when you see referees kind of, when they don't put the whistle away and they don't feel that flow, where they kind of try and inject themselves in a little bit too much. But as a player, you need to understand that they're trying to do their job as well. So it's a little bit of both. And, you know, getting, you know, in my more mature days, you know, before <laughs> I would just, you know, bark at the refs and, you know, and like, what the hell is that? Or, you know you know swearing or whatever the case may be that's never going to help actually talking to them and and that's why i have the letter on my chest is because i have the right to step up to them and have that conversation with them i mean schlampy cops a lot of a lot of heat online 
with the Schlamp watch because he's always talking to the ref, but that's his job. He's the captain. Like, what else do you want him to do? Like, that's what, that's what we're supposed to do. So having that conversation and that relationship with referees that I've kind of built over the years and with the linesmen as well really helps with calming them down as well because, like, if they go talk to your boys, they're doing a lot of this. Okay, I can tell them that, and then he can know that that message is getting relayed through the team so then they can respect us even more instead of just wanting to kind of because you know you know they're human as well so if they see yep. that you're you're giving them a lot of stick in the back of their mind they're like oh yeah they're like well, screw these guys like, <laughs> like Former, uh, you know refereed like, rugby league it, in the younger days i know exactly what you're yeah, talking about so like if you see that it's like a, it, it's a fine line they can call it one way or another you know if you're barking at them they're gonna probably call They'll it snap. against you yeah but if you're having a bit of a chat with them and talk to them, you know, like like human beings and not just a, a, a zebra with stripes and a whistle, like, then it's going to help you a lot longer and, you know, throughout the season. So it's a bit of both, I feel like. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one to ride, but, you know, I try and be as respectful as possible. But I do get heated. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I hope you yeah, do with, yeah. with a game of hockey. Yeah. You mentioned about the um, overseas experiences and playing an international game. And you spent a season with now. I hope I pronounced this right in the Swedish third division mm. with Lid Kerping. Oh, good luck! Yeah, uh, that, was, I that think was close. That, that well, it's Swedish, so yeah, even I'm going to yeah, get that worry. one it wrong. Me, it took me a while to get it. It's uh, pronounced Lid Chirping. So, Lid Chirping. Yeah. So the umlauts on the O is the uh sound. So Lid Chirping. Uh, it took me a while to figure that one out. Um, so yeah. it's just Lid, and then we're just going to yeah, just open the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how did you find it when you were over in Sweden? Because Sweden's got. Sweden, as a at the elite level, is probably one of the main contenders to that U.S., Canada, Russia triumvirate. Yeah. And they've won Olympic gold before the Swedes. How did you find that hockey culture? Was it a really daunting hockey culture like you get in Canada and the U.S., where U.S., they expect success, and Canada, it is beyond a religion, mm. and they... they Gretzky is more known than Christ almost yeah, in Canada, yeah, such as exactly. the way they play in Canada. What's the hockey culture like in Sweden? Because it's sort of almost forgotten about outside that trio, but they produce a hell of a player. Well, yeah, like for, for their population, they produce such amazing talent and the passion for hockey there is very strong. Like their their hockey culture is, is amazing just with their program. That's the thing that impressed me the most about the Swedish hockey in general is that their program fed from the top trickles all the way down to the youngest level like they have a program for each level doesn't matter what division you're at um, myself I was playing in the third division we were doing drills and programs that you know that were handed down from the Swedish Hockey Association that you see from the SHL what the SHL teams do and the the actual coaches you know they go to these like conferences and and meetings with all these these um, head kind of coaches that set the standard for Swedish hockey which is why you see that Swedish hockey is so strong because this there's an actual system in place if you're good enough to work your way up and there's programs in place where they have a whole bank of um, of drills and, and training programs online that they can pick and choose from and, and mix around so my Going into a program like that, I mean, coming from Australia, where I'm on the ice once or twice a week for training, I mean, it's 
I mean, I wish I grew up there. Like, it, it was like, I mean, walking into something like that is amazing. Like, even though it's the third division, they were still having these programs in place. Like, the first 10, 15 minutes of practice, you already knew what you... I mean, even before practice, when I rocked up there, the season hadn't started yet. And we were already doing an hour, hour and a half of off-ice before we jumped on the ice. So even that, like, fresh off a plane, jumping into something like that, I was like, oh, my gosh, is this going to ha- happen the wow, whole season? Yeah. Like, it's, like, they're intense. And, like, they have been training hard for months before that as well. So, like, I just jumped in coming from uh, from my season. Once it was done, I, I went over to Sweden. But these guys have been working nonstop for months before that. And then I'm jumping in just you know I'm, I'm skate ready but like with this, this the level of fitness that they were doing it was it was very uh, it was tough to jump into but once you get into the swing of things it was it was amazing to be a part of because the, their off ice and their on ice program is so set from the Swedish Hockey Association that you know I just wanted to do more and more and more like I was lucky enough to have a bit of time in the morning where I could just jump on the ice whenever I wanted because the rink was owned by the like the local council there the I mean all the rinks were owned by there but like the our rink you could go from 10 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon you can jump on and do whatever you want so as a kid from Australia I was like oh my god this is unreal and like all my gears already at the rink it's ready to go like it's it was it was amazing so every chance I got I was on the ice like twice a day almost every day just training my butt off because I went to Sweden specifically because they are known for their amazing defensemen I mean you look at Hedman Carlson I mean Rasmus don't remind me about Eric Carlson oh yeah sorry buddy yeah don't remind me about Eric Carlson (laughs) sorry buddy but yeah or Rasmus Dahlin who came from lead shipping so all the guys in the team knew him growing up and you know he was a freak you know he was like the guy right so and he left to play for Frolanda who's the, the the SHL team from Gothenburg so they kind of picked him up and then that's where his kind of path went over straight over to the NHL and you could see that he was ready to go to play in the NHL yep. once he jumped on because of the the program that was set before him so and seeing all the talent that we had on our team like there was so many good players that I just like watch and learn from them as well and being able to focus on my skating because our head coach was a skating coach as well during the summer helped me tremendously over when I came back to Australia and played for the the national team as well because they're they're good for a reason you know they focus on skills um individual skills skating a lot of skating you know you have to be an amazing skater to play over there and their system everyone plays the same system everyone knows what's up if you can grab one Swedish kid put him into another team and he'd probably play the exact same system there so being a part of that was tremendous for my development I mean you know I'd I'd love to go back at some some sort of you know hopefully soon but you know if I if I recommend any player that that wants to go overseas, I'd say Sweden, especially if you're a defenseman. That almost answers the next question. Do you think it's because they have such strong structure in terms of their systems that that's why they produce such great defensemen? Yeah. Because offensively, you have to be a bit more ad lib minded and be able to react to different situations. But when it comes to defense, it's structure, 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 and just use your systems yeah. and rely on the systems. And anytime things go south, we trust the system. We yeah. trust the system. Is that why Sweden produces more defensemen than offensive players, do you think? Yeah, I think that. Just in terms of the defensive talent that have come from Sweden, I think it comes from 
the the skills that they focus on as young kids. You know, it's a lot of skating, which is as a defenseman, you need to be an amazing skater because if a guy can just blow right by you, you're pretty much useless. Especially if you're going to be playing 60-minute games like you do in the NHL. Defensemen are the ones who are called on to skate the 25, 26 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes a night. Yeah, exactly. So with, with those kind of skills set as young kids... Um, you can see that it, it pays dividends in the long run. So, like, even though they have their system there, which is, you know, Swedes are very, you know, intellectual people, you know, they look at it with a lot of structure. That structure's in place, but to develop the individual itself, they have that structure as well. So if you really want to be good, I mean, there's a lot of things over there in Sweden that will allow you to, to get better. Um, I think it's based a lot from, you know, individual skills, and skating as well, so that those those two components for their specific position is going to translate in the team because you have so much skill. And, you know, in European hockey, it's more skill and speed-based. It's a wider rink. You have a lot more room to work with and a lot more time. Um, but also, you see those Swedes that come over and play in the NHL, it's... They, they know what to expect. I mean, everyone knows the North American style. It's a bit of a hybrid now. A bit of it's a lot of hockey now is kind of picking from the North American style and also picking from the European style. It's kind of turned into a hybrid. So I think the the Swedes have kind of recognised that a lot more now. That's why they're they're doing a lot better in terms of against the North American countries, obviously America and Canada. So I think they've kind of realised that and kind of tweaked their their system. Do you think that probably works in with why so many NHL teams who are looking for a new coach at the moment are talking about, I think his name is Rickard Gronberg, the Mm. Swedish national team coach, because those systems are starting to find their way into the North American game, that NHL teams are suddenly a little less reluctant to trust in a Swedish coach? Yeah, and I think, like, it comes from, it's, there there was a lot of, like, animosity towards European players and the programs and stuff, and, you know, the, you know, like, the 860s, 70s, 80s, you know, that the, the wild Wild West where you had to be a super tough, gritty guy, you know, with a bunch of teeth missing and, you know, like something like that. And all these like fancy, fast Russian players, Czech players, Swedes, Finns, you know, you can name the the list. Brian Burke still maintains that if you're selecting a European guy in the draft, he's not going to do your grunt work. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... I mean that's up for debate. I mean there's a lot of players that can kind of, you know, they're, they're against the uh, the typical European mold, as it were. Um, but a lot, you see a lot of Europeans coming over and playing in the junior programs now, like in the OHL, the WHL, all that sort of thing as well. And you see that they kind of they figure out that North American style. So I mean you have your game, but you can figure out how your game works really well within that North American style. I mean. I think that it's kind of it's getting to that point where uh, the NHL in particular looking at these European players now obviously after you've seen all these all these European players from the past do so well I mean Ovechkin's a guy that probably breaks the mold where mm. you know he's a gritty guy he can cave Sveshnikov's face in and then also score a like an amazing goal on the power play or do an individual... 50 goals and I'll just knock a bloke out in the process. Why yeah, not? I know. Like, yeah, sit down, kid. He's probably going to see him in... Uh, probably see him sometime in... Well, especially if I've got the last play. laugh. At least he went through to the second yeah, round. Yeah, exa- exactly. So he can, yeah... Um, yeah, I guess he can smile if he's got a couple of teeth still. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think that... 
a lot of North Americans now they're starting the, their mentality that men, old school mentality is slowly going away I mean mm-hmm. the old school Don Cherry types they're slowly rock'em sock'em hockey yeah exactly the old dinosaurs shout out to David Gazza yeah the old dinosaurs is, you know calling the, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes a bunch of jerks and stuff like that but that's that's the that's the new hockey now. It's it's a mixture of both. I mean, you can see it with the teams in the NHL now that are getting through. It's a mixture between guys who can play that gritty game and also make a nice pretty pass or do has that skill to them as well. So having a mixture of both is probably the best way that you can kind of have a su- successful player now. Um, you know, a guy that won't get pushed off the puck, but they can also do you know dangle between your legs as well. So yeah. Just finally, like to try and get some grounding on every everybody that comes through from the Bears and get their allegiances. But given that you picked up hockey from the Mighty Ducks movies, yeah, is it go. a silly question to ask who you're following the NHL? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a pretty stupid question. Who's going to be your coach next year? Oh, God, I don't know. Maybe Rickard Gromberg could be a starter in Anaheim. It, it could be. I mean... I mean, it's a tough one. We had a. Pretty, it's an old core. Perry gets and Kessler. It's yeah. I mean, those guys. It's it's tough to say. There's the the gulls are doing all right though. The seagulls from from the uh, the AHL, their farm mm-hmm. team. They got a pretty good team. So, I'm hoping that those kids uh, in you know. Uh, the AHL kind of get that playoff experience that way and mm-hmm. get that experience in, at the pro level and then we can, we'll see what the, those kids are like next year hopefully put, put in a little bit of uh, a youth into the lineup but uh, yeah I mean with those those old school guys it's uh, did it hurt seeing did it hurt seeing well obviously it hurt seeing Anaheim struggle yeah. uh, last season but was it offset by the fact that well at least the Kings were worse well yeah I mean so so, funny thing is, my sister's a Kings fan. Oh, so no. there's a little bit of back and forth going on, going there. So it was, uh, yeah, we were like, who, who's got the worst team this year? It was yeah, a bit of definitely a lot of banter going back and forth, especially during uh, when the uh, the draft pick, the the lottery draft happens. So, um, but yeah, I mean. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to leave it at that. You know, I'll, I'll, there's a little bit of hope there that they'll do better. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, being a Ducks fan, I was a big Scott Niedermeyer fan growing up. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was another big reason why I was a fan of the Ducks, especially when he came over. So it definitely helped. But, yeah, right now, after he's gone... It's, it's, pretty, it's a bit tough it's these days. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit tough. Yeah. yeah. Well, you finished ahead of my team, so oh and, gosh, and at yeah. least you still got your first round pick as well. I'm so I did. Well, Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa oh, Senators. Gosh. Yeah, it was a long. It's like year. you're afraid to even say the word. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like it's at that point now. You got to get Melnick out of there. That guy. Well, is. yeah, but the hopefully the worst is that guy's behind, a clown. Yeah, he is. He he's, is unfortunately uh, he's a pretty much a laughing stock right <laughs> yeah, these days with the decisions he's made. You know, I feel for you, brother. <laughs> Thank you. At least you have a punching bag that you can well, kind yeah, of like. It's all his you know, fault. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But whereas the Ducks is like, there's a couple uh, of there's a couple of things going on there that we can point out. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Now this weekend you've got the weekend off after you've started with three games in the two weekends in in Newcastle last weekend. Mm-hmm. Next weekend, the 18th of May, you're back at home against the Melbourne Mustangs. And in order to get a big crowd, we want everybody to log on and go online and buy their tickets on Bears Den. And if you use the promo code the bench how much of a reduction do you get off your tickets you get 10 10 percent 10 percent yeah there's no one wearing 10 for the ducks at the moment is there uh, 
maybe that's something that you could do if you ever went over yeah, I should know the that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I should know that. <laughs> yeah, making me look bad as a Ducks fan. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> John Gibson will make you look good. Don't worry oh, about that. In yeah, no, he'll, he'll save you any day of the thank week. Thank God for that guy, right? Well, Brian Funes has been great having you on the bench. It's been absolutely fascinating getting the insight into that European side of things, that technical side of things, and certainly we hope to have you back in the future. Thank you so much for having me. appreciate your time. Well, everybody's favourite Sydney Bears. It's nice to get uh, the Mighty Ducks content on here. We'll make sure we'll get him back in further weeks because, as I said, more Mighty Ducks, the better on the bench here.